Section 31 of Claimants to Royalty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Richard Carpenter. Claimants to Royalty by John H. Ingram. The False Dauphins in France, 1793 to 1859. Had not these pages already proved to what an extent human credulity could go, it would be almost useless to offer the following most extraordinary details as matters of fact. That a dead person might be personated by a living being is quite within the range of probability, but that thirty or more totally different individuals should in this nineteenth century not only deem it but prove it possible to dupe numbers of people into believing that they were a prince whose decease had been publicly certified and most zealously investigated into, scarcely seems to come within the range of the possible. In order to better comprehend the various marvellous stories detailed by the impostors about to be referred to, the true story of the little Dauphin, styled by French royalist Louis the Seventeenth, should be told. On the 27th of March, 1785, Louis Charles, the second son of Louis the Sixteenth of France, was born at the chateau de versailles the birth of this second son caused great rejoicing in the royal circle where his earliest years were environed with all the care and adulation bestowed upon princes his father created the child duke of normandy whilst the death of his elder brother in seventeen eighty nine brought him next in succession to the throne raised him to the rank of dauphin and if possible made him a greater idol than before in the eyes of the court at four years of age he is described as of slight but well-shaped figure with a broad open forehead finely arched eyebrows and large blue eyes his complexion was fair his hair of a dark chestnut colour curled naturally and fell in ringlets over his shoulders amid the gaieties of the french court at versailles doubtless the little lad's mental faculties were rapidly developed although it would be idle to place any credence in the authenticity of the sage replies and clever repartees ascribed to him by some court writers but his happy childish life was of short duration the starving and infuriated populace of paris driven from one misery to another deemed if they could only bring the king to the metropolis means would be discovered for overcoming their distress under the influence of this infatuation an enormous crowd chiefly composed of women marched from paris invaded the regal precincts of versailles and deputed a few of their number to see the king louis the sixteenth received the deputation with great kindness but the power of royal words was over and the following day he was compelled to return to the capital accompanied by the queen and the dauphin the people in their destitute condition could only think of bread and believing the king could command possession of it familiarly styled him the baker so that now seeing the royal family's return they shouted joyously no more poverty we are bringing back the baker and his wife and the little shop-boy the poor child so designated could not find anything better to say of the tuileries as they entered that place than everything is very ugly here his mother endeavoured to console the prince for that by reminding him louis the fourteenth had lived there 
it is needless to recapitulate the well-known story of the precarious state to which the royal family was speedily reduced in paris and how they made secret preparations for leaving the capital in disguise on the twentieth of june seventeen ninety one the attempted flight was commenced the dauphin who had been dressed as a girl deeming he was being attired to play in a comedy the flight was indeed carried out but the royal party got no further than varennes where they were discovered and after being allowed to spend the night there were carried back to paris although it was wonderful that they reached it alive and five days after their departure were again installed in the tuileries from that time until the thirteenth of august seventeen ninety two when the royal family were imprisoned in the temple the whole of its members had been under close surveillance and had no fresh opportunity of escaping from the capital from the date of their incarceration in the temple their doom was sealed and nothing but death released any one save the princess maria theresa from captivity after a while the king was separated from his family and placed in a portion of the prison called the great tower and there also the dauphin was placed with his father until the trial and execution of the latter when he was returned to his mother's care on the third of july seventeen ninety three a most terrible trial awaited the hapless boy on that day in accordance with the decree of the committee of public safety he was removed from the custody of his mother and consigned to the charge of simon formerly a cobbler but now appointed guardian to the dauphin at a salary of twenty pounds a month conditionally upon his never leaving his youthful prisoner and never upon any pretence leaving the tower where the child was confined the fearful and miserable life which the poor boy endured whilst in the charge of the brutal simon and his scarcely less brutal wife is so well known that the saddening details need not be repeated suffice to recall the fact that by hard work strong drinks close confinement improper food and even blows the unfortunate child was brought to the brink of the grave monsieur de beauchene to whom the world is chiefly indebted for the harrowing story of louis the seventeenth's wretched fate has it it is hoped overdrawn the terrible picture but after making every allowance for royalist exaggeration enough of horror remains to excite the pity of the hardest-hearted brutal and debasing as was simon's regimen it was not rapid enough in its process to satisfy the committee of public safety they therefore dismissed him from his post and made different arrangements for the future the poor innocent little victim was confined in one room into which his coarse food was passed through a wicket from which he was never permitted to emerge either for exercise or fresh air he had a room to walk in and a bed to lie upon he had bread and water and linen and clothes but he had neither fire nor candle for months this system of solitary confinement was endured by the child who reduced to the state of helpless stupidity no longer attempted to change his linen or cleanse himself and was allowed to drift into a condition of utter imbecility ultimately an improvement was effected in the little captive condition and under the better treatment accorded him he rallied for some time but the cruelty he had endured had been too certain in its operation to allow any permanent restoration to health in the month of may seventeen ninety five his jailers reported to the government that little capet was dangerously ill a physician was sent to attend the child but his prescriptions were no longer of any use on the eighth of june he told one of his keepers 
I have something to tell you. But the man waited in vain for the revelation, for whilst he listened the poor child's life had passed away. When the Dauphin died he was ten years and two months old. The members of the Committee of Public Safety, having concluded their day's sitting, when the news was brought, it was deemed advisable to conceal the event until the morrow. Supper was prepared for the child as usual, and Gomin, his attendant, took it up to the room. Many years afterwards this man stated that when he entered the apartment he went to the bed and gazed upon the corpse of the little Dauphin. His eyes, which while suffering had half-closed, he relates, were now open and shone as pure as the blue heaven, and his beautiful fair hair, which had not been cut for two months, fell like a frame round his face. The next morning four medical men came to examine the body and make their report, which they did in somewhat ambiguous terms, stating that at the temple on a bed in a room of the second floor of the tower they had seen the dead body of a child apparently about ten years old, which commissaries declared to be that of the late Louis Capet's son, and which two of our number recognized as that of the child they had been attending for several days. About twenty soldiers, however, who were stated to have known the little Capet by sight when he was at the Tuileries, were also admitted, at their own request, to view the body of the child, and signed an attestation to the effect that they recognized it. The body was finally put in a coffin, and on the 10th of June, 1795, was taken to the cemetery of San Marguerite by the Rue Saint Bernard, and buried in an unknown spot, which to this day no one has been able to find. End of the False Dauphins in France Recording by Richard Carpenter in Seattle, Washington